becoming more and more aware of how weak I am. <clears throat> I don't know about you guys, but this last week I felt like everything was just crashing down on me. All at the same time. I was talking to, some of you maybe have felt this, so I was talking to some people, they said Wednesday. Wednesday was a really bad day. But it just feels from anything from like the vaccine stuff to budget problems to people at the hospital, people dying, all the frustrations with our country, the mess of the church, the Pope's new document on the Latin Mass. Everybody just seems on edge and confused. Everybody is being pushed to this limit. And it feels like a never-ending battle. And for me, it feels like a battle that I'm never winning. I just keep fighting. And I feel like Elijah sometimes in our first reading. You know, it's just like, just take my life. I mean, take me home. And Elijah can sound like he's complaining. Maybe I sound like I'm complaining. I don't know. But I just want to ask a quick, you don't just raise your hand. I'm not going to call on you. I just want to know, if I asked you to come up here, how many of you could just give me a quick synopsis of the story and the life of Elijah? Just raise your hand if you think you can do that. I'm not going to call on you. I just want to see if you think you, if you know what your scriptural knowledge is. Raise your hands. Nobody's raising their hands. Raise them high so I can see them. One. One. That's it? This is why we're a mess. We don't know our own scriptures. The story of it, let me give you just a little synopsis, okay? Because it can sound like he's whining. Oh, God, kill me. You know, I have a sunburn, and I'm thirsty, and my feet hurt, and I've been walking in the desert. Boo-hoo, Elijah, right? But if you really study the context of this, he is one of the most heroic, masculine, tough son-of-a-guns that's in the Bible. Elijah is a man's man. And he lives in the present time. His time is a lot like our time. Israel has basically fallen away from the worship of the true God, and is now worshiping the, fight, the false idol called Baal. It's the Phoenician god. Elijah has just come from Mount Carmel. Now, Mount Carmel, something happened there. <clears throat> there were 450 prophets or priests of Baal, okay? And Elijah comes to them and says, listen. All the people are there too. All of Israel says, listen, quit straddling the issue. If God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But quit playing this game. Like somehow you can worship both gods. And I think this would, well I say it's a lot like our present time because a lot of Christians worship the God of materialism and then on Sunday they worship Jesus. And they try to hold that in the balance. Elijah says, knock it off. We're going to prove today who's the true God. And he says, alright you priests, you, you go and prepare a bull Put it on an altar, all preparable, put it on an altar. The God who answers with fire is the true God. And the priests of Baal say, agreed. And they go and they prepare their bull, and Elijah prepares his, and he says, you, you guys go first. There's more of you. And so they start doing their prophetic dance, and they're in their trance, and cutting themselves, and crying out, Baal, answer us, answer us. And Elijah, to give you an idea of how this guy is great, he taunts them. He says, why don't you cry out louder? Maybe he's asleep or 
doing some business. Maybe he's on vacation. Now, that's a bad translation. Do you want to know what the real translation is? I don't know why. They, they say doing his business. What he actually says is, cry out louder. Maybe he's asleep or taking a dump. I mean, that's the taunting he's doing. There's 450 of them, and he's making fun of them. And finally, it says, I love the line. He says, and all of their crying out and dancing, and no one answered because no one was listening. And then Elijah says, everyone come to me. And he come, everybody gathers around him, and he says, dump water on the sacrifice. And they dump water on him. He says, do it again. They do it again. He says, do it a third time. They do it a third time. And then he says, God, Yahweh. I am the only surviving true prophet. Answer me. Boom. Fire comes out of the sky. Not only consumes the sacrifice, it consumes the water and the solid rock altar. And everybody's like, you know, like, the God of Elijah is the true God, you know. And, And Elijah's like, good, finally, you people are so fickle. You cheat. And then he does something that none of us would do. He takes all 450 priests... He walks them down to the river, and he slits their throats. All of them. Great story. This is why you should read the Bible. Now, there is one problem here. Those 450 priests are very close to a woman named Jezebel. Jezebel is the queen of Israel. Jezebel is a wicked, wicked woman. Rotten, right to the core. In fact, it's mainly her fault. She has basically led all of Israel astray to the worship of false gods. If you wanted to modernize it, she's something like a Nancy Pelosi. Right? <laughs> so, sorry. This is like a softball, right? <clears throat> but anyway... Jezebel hears about what Elijah did and he sends word, she sends word to Elijah and says, I swear to God, if by tomorrow you are not like those priests, I will kill you myself. Now Elijah realizes all of Israel is coming after him and he runs for his life into the desert and that's where we catch up with him, is under this broom tree saying, God... Kill me. He's just done something to prove that God is the God of all Israel. And how does God repay him? By ruining his life. He's underneath that broom tree saying, my life is over. It's, I think it was St. Teresa of Avila, right? She said, God, if this is how you treat your friends, it's no wonder you have so few of them. And that's where we find him. And he falls asleep. He is so exhausted. And an angel touches him. And says, Elijah, get up. Eat. Or the journey will be too hard. And sitting there, miraculously, is bread. He eats. He drinks the water. He falls asleep. He's so tired. The angel touches him again. Elijah, get up. Eat. Or the journey will be too hard. What journey? Life, life will be too hard. Here's a man in the darkest place of his life and God miraculously provides sustenance for him for the journey. Bread, 
Does any of this sound familiar? There is this thing in, this, in the scriptures, it's a big scriptural word, it's called typology. Typology is simply this. There are things in the Old Testament that are types of things in the New Testament. So, let me give you a couple examples. Oh, and, and there's a principle here. Whatever the type is in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, it's always greater. Okay, so Noah, Old Testament, flood. God tries to save the world through water, right? New Testament, God saves the world through water again. How does he do it? Baptism. Old Testament, Jonah in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. New Testament, Jesus, belly of the earth, three days, three nights. Old Testament, Isaac carries the wood of the sacrifice up Mount Moriah for Abraham. And he doesn't sacrifice him. Abraham says, God will provide the lamb. New Testament, Jesus carries the wood of the cross up Mount Moriah, becomes the lamb of sacrifice. Do you see it? Old Testament, I could go on and on and on. They're all over the place. But the thing you need to remember is, the old thing in the Old Testament pointed to the New Testament. The New Testament thing is greater. Every time. And so we see it today. Elijah has miraculous bread for the journey. The Israelites, Jesus talks about it. The manna. It's a type. And it will be fulfilled in the New Testament when he says today, your ancestors ate bread in the desert, but they died. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Great. So what does this have to do with all of us? For starters, the flesh, the Eucharist. If the people of Israel saw the manna as no ordinary bread, remember the Old Testament thing is less than the New Testament thing, then this surely is not ordinary bread. There is something greater than the manna here. There is something greater than the bread of Elijah here. You know, people keep saying to me a lot, Father, when's it going to get back to normal? My new answer, it's not. It's never going to be back to normal. The country is unraveling before our eyes. It's going to get worse. The church is a mess. It's going to get darker. But that's okay. Because we've been here before. And if America falls, America falls. Christianity will still be here. And we will pick up the pieces of a ruined society as we did after so many epic failures of mankind. It will make us stronger, more faithful. You and I, however, are eventually going to feel in our life like Elijah. No matter how faithful we are, sooner or later you will come to a point where you realize, I can't do it on my own. I'm not strong enough. I don't have what it takes. I need help. And may you hear the words of the angel. Rise. Eat. Or the journey will be too hard. God gives us the Eucharist for strength. So we know that he's with us. That he will provide for us. Every Sunday in Mass, what we celebrate is God saying, I will provide. I might not give you everything, but I will give you enough. And I talked about the beginning of the homily when I was all upset, everything crashing down. You know what I do? 
You know what I do when that happens? I go to my chapel and I pray. And I pray this prayer. It's very simple and I give it to you today. Because here's the deal, you guys. It's not that life has too many problems. It's that people lack faith. The prayer is this. Jesus, you can, I can't, you promised. It's that simple, folks. You can, I can't, you promised. I know it's hard to believe, but he has shown me so many times that he will do what he said he would do. And that is why when I feel like Elijah, I just go and kneel before him. He said to us, come to me, you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. The Eucharist is the greatest gift we have been given. It's a reminder that he will never leave us and that he always loves us. May we never, ever take that gift for granted.